What's up, Overcomers? Welcome to another episode of the Overcoming You Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Canuti. If you haven't done so already, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, write us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback as a whole. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit is by far one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies in the world, and they have an awesome product coming out just in time for summer called Mineral Electrolytes. The dog days of summer are officially here and everybody is dripping sweat. They are losing key minerals like sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium, all the essential minerals for a healthy muscle function. Onnit's Mineral Electrolytes helps maintain your body's normal fluid and electrolyte balance, keeping fatigue at bay. It's infused with just enough of the ideal carbohydrate source. And you can save up to 10% on your order by visiting onnit.com slash O-C-Y. That's onnit.com slash O-C-Y. O-N-N-I-T dot com slash O-C-Y. Save up to 10% on your order. My guest today is Dr. Rob Kelly, and I have known some of his accolades and some of his work that he's done before, but I did not know anything to the level of his story and what he has been through. He grew up in Manchester, England, in a very musical family, ended up staying in that musical industry and connecting with the Sir Elton John, and he talks about being in a penthouse doing cocaine with Elton John, and he's literally making $1,000 an hour. He's in a multi-million dollar home, kids, wife, he had it all, and he lost it all. But this story isn't just about how he fell from grace and overcame, but it's how he fell from grace, overcame, and started helping people, because then he ended up getting his PhD in psychology from Oxford, PhD in behavioral science from University of Southampton. He's a national certified recovery coach. He's a certified NLP practitioner. That's neurolinguistics, the study of your speech and how it affects the mind. He's a life coach. He's been on daytime talk shows like The Doctors. And when he talks, he talks directly to you. No fluff, no BS, but he talks from experience, but he also talks from a elevated educational standpoint too, which is, in my opinion, one of the best people to learn from. I love this man. We connected. He actually does something so heartwarming. He actually gives out, and only to this podcast, only to the Overcoming You listeners, gives out his personal cell phone number. You can see it in the show notes, and you can also listen to it in the episode here. So if you're having a downtime, if you're going through something, give him a call. It's his real phone number. I can't believe he was so generous to do that. I asked him, are you sure you want to do that? He goes, for you and for what you're doing and your mission. He's like, that. those are the people I want to help. So please welcome this amazing man, Dr. Rob Kelly. Dr. Rob, what's going on? Thank you so much for coming on the Overcoming You podcast. I am super stoked to talk to you. Thanks for um, taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Josh, it's my pleasure. Absolutely. Been looking forward to this one. I don't know why. I, I just got a good feeling about uh, about the energy here. And, and obviously, you're an amazing guy. So I couldn't wait to get on with you. Thank you. I, all right. Well, I got you fooled. And we'll go ahead and end that podcast right there. That's good. <laughs> See, ya. See ya. We're good. <laughs> I want to kind of give the listeners a little bit of background for the individuals that don't know who you are, and I want you to kind of speak to it. But one of the things in today's society that I love talking to people like you is no disrespect to, quote unquote, like some gurus out there, some self-help, no disrespect to any sort of doctors. I value knowledge. I value anyone that's trying to help people. I value. However, you're the type of individual that I like to talk to because not only do you have all the PhD in fancy accolades hanging on the wall, but you've actually been through the muck and the mile yourself. So you're speaking not only from a knowledge intellectual standpoint, but you're speaking from experience, which is so much more powerful. You could let the listeners know a little bit about kind of your 
for lack of a better word, your fall from grace or your demise, kind of where were you at? You know, because people looking at you, and I'll let you kind of describe it. If anyone to look at you, you had it all. You had it all, and it all fell. So yeah, everything, everything that you worked for uh, at an early age, um, I, I, I had. And uh, I started drinking at the age of nine. So here's the thing straight away is I've thrown on the stage with a musical family. So I took my first drink at nine because of nerves. And kind of, as soon as I drank the alcohol, I knew that this was my solution to everything, even at the age of nine. Now, I do my research years after, and I find out that friends 10, 11, and 12, when they took the first beer, they spat it out. And it's like, oh, it's horrible. It tastes terrible. When I took it, something happened. So I now know that to be alcoholism that kicked off. I believe we're born with the addictive brain. So I started drinking through through uh, high school. Nothing crazy, you know. The only thing that I did when I drank is I got lots of confidence. So I then became a – I was always a musician by trade. I became a session musician at Scrooby Studios in Stockport, which is owned by 10CC. And the alcoholic addictive brain is a very smart brain. Most people who don't drink who are have the addictive brain are very, very – uh, very high standard CEOs, multi-billionaires, millionaires and stuff like that. Fantastic at sports or music, you know, whatever it may be. So I knew that I, I was different to everyone else. I knew that, but I didn't know it was alcoholism. But I did get her the bass playing job at Abbey Road. So I played with Queen, Elton John, David Bowie, all them great guys. Yeah, yeah still drinking and using. And I, I, I'm the guy, I'm the guy who was uh, snorting cocaine with Alan John at the Savoy Hotel in the penthouse suite when he was screaming down at reception for them to stop the wind and the rain. Otherwise, he would never book in this hotel again. <laughs> awesome days. Absolutely awesome days. So I kind of had everything. I was being paid $1,000 an hour back in 1980, 81. Yeah. So I was driving the Porsche. I had the house. Uh, I got married. I lived in the house on the hill. Everything was going good. Still drinking every day, not a problem. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it started to get out of control. And the downfall came fast and aggressive as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And then it all fell. Yeah. It was like a house of cards. When you So in that kind of spot when you're in there, uh, because I hear that a lot, and I find that with, or I found that with me, is that you and I think very similar where we believe, or at least from doing some research that like we talked just before we started this podcast, that, you know, drinking and drugs is a byproduct of how you look up upon yourself and a byproduct of some other um, chemical imbalances, maybe, because I know just like you, you know, I, I would drink to, um, to be a better dancer, you know, or to yeah. be smoother with the, uh, with the ladies, but if you think about that from a psycho psychological standpoint, I'm saying I'm not enough. Like, yeah. I'm not good enough to go talk to those chicks. So let me let me do a couple shots. Let me high five my boys, get riled up, and then go yeah. over there. So it's Every like time. a byproduct of what's in here. Yeah. So what do how do we do or how do you deal with that? How do we fix that? Because even at my age, I have better coping skills, but it's still, especially I'll be yeah. very honest and, and transparent with you. You know, with this podcast, I have that kind of feeling. Sometimes, like, hey, am I am I good enough? You know, is anyone gonna listen to my dumbass? And then it's because it's a feeling of less than. So, how do you kind of work through that, or or what's the deal with that, or how do we fix it? We never know how good we are. That's the problem with society today. I often say to people, if we could swap places for ten minutes, all your problems would be over. Period. But we have to understand the addictive brain. 
and humanities itself. So when I'm born with the addictive brain, alcoholic brain, pass through generations, you'll track it back three generations, might skip a generation, but it's there. And we get we, we map our brain out on early stage. So my addictive brain with self-sabotaging neural pathways, and it comes from childhood, the mapping, get down off there, you stupid idiot. If you do that again, I'll, you know, all yeah. that stuff that we take in, the subconscious brain loves that stuff. So he takes that stuff in, it'll use it against us, believe it or not. So what happens is we store that, and the minute we find alcohol, it takes that pain away. So when we get something like a drop of pen, I'm a stupid idiot, that triggers something that our mom and dad said to us, alcohol will knock that out. So there's one thing that I came up with, and it's real simple, and the quicker we find out this and accept it, the better life will be. I'm never going to be blonde enough. I'm never going to be thin enough. I'm never going to be tall enough. And I'm never going to be rich enough. And once I've got that on board, it's like, well, it's just me. And I get the same when I'm going on TV. It's like, wow, what am I going to say? I mean, I don't know. It's only me. I mean, yeah. and for a second, I kind of freeze out. But that's just that's just human nature and the addictive brain. My, my go-to uh, thought pattern every time is to self-sabotage. Yeah. And I, I take it yours is the same. Now, what we have to do is we have to change that thought pattern around so self-care and good choices becomes our knee-jerk reaction and the, and, the self, and the harmful neural pathways, the self-destruction and all that stuff that we play with ourselves has to become a second nature. So internal dialogue is the key to this. Yeah. It really is. So because if we... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you there because I, I agree with that, but... This is what happens to me, and this is what happens to a lot of people that I talk to as well, is that everybody knows the power of neurolinguistics, understands the power that you should not call yourself stupid. You should not say, I can't do that. Everybody knows that, but for some reason, like it, I'll just be, I'll just use me as an example. You know, I go and I'll go three months straight of just, I am so good at um, being kind to myself, saying the right things, and then all of a sudden something happens where I just can't fucking deal with it anymore, and then I go right back to the negative thought, and kind of like five steps forward, three steps back, I feel like I can never fully get rid of that negative neural pathway. I feel like it's always kind of there. I haven't figured out how to totally Complacency. that. Complacency is the key. What happens is when we get a few good days in or a few powerful days, we stop doing what we're doing. I still do what I call mirror work today. I stand in the front of the mirror every day and I say to myself, I love you. I'm lying to my brain, but the brain doesn't know that. So it takes that in and all of a sudden you become good enough. You get up in the morning, it's going to be a fantastic day. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to kill everything today. And you walk out and you, you do it. And, and, and you have to have people around you that are lifting you up. I always say, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You know, if, if you've got people around that are doubting you, here's, here's a prime example, Josh. I'm, I'm at a meeting. I've got a thousand people there listening to me i come off stage 999 of them said you were amazing one of them said you were shit so i'm concentrating for the next three months on the bad one yes. i got complacent i have to, it's like i'm like a computer i have to feed that stuff every single day i get up with a with a clean but self-sabotaging brain every single day and if i'm not repetition strengthening and confirms on a daily basis that self-doubt will sneak in there and it's like a cancer in my thought pattern it will yeah. sneak in and take over in minutes what i try to uh, recreate in days so i have to be careful every day it's like before i begin 
I realize how good I am. I say a prayer to my higher power. You know, I look in the mirror, I do my mirror work. I say it's going to be an amazing day. And I don't let anybody stop me from having that amazing day. Now, that's easy said, I think it is, isn't it, from where I've come from. Because if you look, coming from homelessness, because that's where I ended up, to where I am now is almost impossible. And the only way to do that is self-dialogue, self-belief, and you need to ch- you need someone's help to change the negative neural pathways because they're always there. They're billions in their head, and they're always there, and they're always going to take me down. And I have to be careful. Yeah, that's one thing that I wanted to ask you too. So you're on this rocket ship of a rock star lifestyle, thousand dollars an hour, million dollar home. You got you got the kids, you got the wife, hanging out with literally my favorite. Um, rock, rock star. I love the piano, and, and John's like my favorite. So you already, I already like it even more. So you're there, and then all of a sudden, all that shit's ripped away from you. You're you're homeless. You're drinking like crazy. You're drinking water every other week, maybe even out of garbage cans. All those things. One thing that I wanted to ask is that sometimes when you're in those, when you're down there, or someone's listening to that, and they feel like they're down in the dumps. They feel like getting to where you're at is like just like you said, fucking impossible. Yeah, but you did it step by step and I don't know, but I'm assuming it was not overnight. So what's the first thing? What's your first couple actions when you're at your lowest, when you're scrounging money to get, get the next vodka sip or something? What's, what's the pivotal moment that made you switch? And then what are some of the actions over the next few months, quarters, years or whatever that you took in order to get yourself out of that, that garbage? Well, I, I had the spiritual awakening on the streets. Um, which was absolutely huge, and that was unexplainable when it happened. So I'm on the streets for about a year, a year and a bit. Uh, it's raining. It's 2.30 in the morning. I always remember this. And it's pouring down. I've got no shoes on. Somebody stole fucking shoes the day before. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm, I drop down to my knees, and I start to cry from my belly. I'm crying and sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. I wasn't sobbing because I lost my kids, all my wife, all my houses and all that stuff. I was sobbing because the first time in my life, after everything that's happened, the first time in my life, I realized I couldn't stop drinking. So I just looked up to the sky and I said, if there's a God up there, I can't do this on my own anymore. My life changed from 20 seconds after that. When a guy walked around the corner, he'd missed his last bus home from a Bible study, all this Christian church crap that I hate, but it happened to me. Now, I'm not a church-going guy today. I'm a spiritual guy, and I love that. But that, that's how it changed for me. But the viciousness of where it took me and, and the person I changed into pre the homelessness that's what scared me. This is the guy that fell down the stairs on his two-year-old daughter and nearly killed her. This is the guy that left his one- and three-year-old uh, daughters in the cinema while daddy needed a drink, so he drives 15 miles to a liquor store. I come back and the police are there and the, and, and the PTSD that they suffered from that incident. This is the guy whose kids still didn't speak to him up, about, up until about 18 months ago. So I'm, co- I'm coming downstairs one morning it's probably about three o'clock in the morning. I'm searching for a bottle. I know I've put some vodka somewhere. And I come downstairs and all of a sudden I go into a cupboard and I find this bottle. Now here's how my mind is. I put the bottle on the side. Now I'm looking for a crystal glass because I ain't a pauper or an alcoholic. I want to drink in style. So I'm looking for a crystal glass for God's sake. My wife comes me downstairs and she takes the bottle off the counter and she says, hey, Rob, I think you've had enough. She's probably right, to be honest with you. I should have gone back to bed and took it easy and said, thank you, Mrs. Kelly. I didn't. I took a kitchen knife out and I stabbed her three times. 
Oh. And she hit the floor and started to bleed. I called the ambulance, drank the rest of the bottle, I got buckled, I got a cab to the airport, and I got the hell out of uh, England as quick as possible, and I went to Spain while she was bleeding on the floor. That was normal for me. That's where alcoholism took me. So you, and the reason why I tell you that is, be, and the only reason why I come back to England is she won't press charges. But the only reason why I say that is, is when, you, when alcoholism has taken you that far, the, the awakening, the time, the point where you go, I'm done. I am done. It's most important. Yeah. And I think once we get... Now, I, can, I, I tried suicide six times on the streets, and on twice, I, I succeeded. I died for 55 seconds and 93 seconds, apparently, when I was gone on the streets at heart stopped, and they brought me back to life. I was very pissed off when they did that because I wanted to die. I'd made my mind up that when I was on the streets, I was going to die on the streets, and that's just fucking fine with me because let's get this shit over with because it, it was just hell. I used to call home, and, and my mommy used to go, hello, and, and mommy, it's Rob. Just put the phone down. And the abandonment, Josh, in my heart would ache. It's like everybody abandoned. I used yeah. to hear people in 12-step meetings go, don't mess with Rob Kelly. He's a waste of time. He's just going to die. Don't even waste your breath on him. In AA meetings, can you imagine what that did to me? No. I, it was just, I had my girls. Listen to this, Josh. Let me tell you something, because I, I want your listeners to know this. This is the heartache of where it took me. So when I come back from Spain, I came home, and, and my wife had the bags packed and everything. And she said, I love you to the day I die, but you're not going to kill our kid, Rob. So yeah. she took him. I got my attorney and said, hey, we do a million dollars worth of business with you. Here's the deal. Get my kids back overnight. Otherwise, we're done. I'll give you a £25,000 check if you do it. The next day, he went to the court, come back, he had my kids with him. I brought the kids in. I gave him a check. I sat him in front of the TV. I walked into the kitchen, and I thought to myself, I'll just have one beer to celebrate getting my kids back. <laughs> Was the last thing I remember. Three days later, when the police kicked the door down and the children not being fed for three days, the diaper's not been changed for three days. There's bottles all over the floor, so I've been out and back to the liquor store. They served me with unfit uh, father papers, and then walking my two girls down the, down the uh, path with mom and authorities and the police, and these are the three things my daughter said. She says, Daddy, Daddy, please don't go. Mm. And I was crying. Even the police were crying, which I found weird. And she halfway down said, Daddy, Daddy, please get better. And the last thing she said to me was, Daddy, Daddy, please stop drinking. And I couldn't do it. I went back into the house. I opened another can of beer. And six or seven months later, everything was gone. Yeah. Everything was gone. And yeah, that's how vicious to, it was. That's, first of all, that's, thank you very much for sharing that. I know um, that's not easy to kind of, think about those thoughts uh, before or bring them up, up. So I appreciate you sharing that here on the podcast, just like you. So I too had tried to commit suicide and just to kind of give you some background, because I think that levels of despair are similar to at our, our awakening is that, you know, I went to go pull the trigger and the trigger and I actually went through with it and it didn't go off. I had the shock and shell actually swelled because I changed my battery, put the battery in the, in the truck of my car, the truck of my car, the uh, shock and shells were there. Battery tipped over, swelled the shells, wouldn't go through the. And so after that, after I hit, hit that trigger and it didn't go off, it's the worst feeling of despair and depths of darkness that at the time I didn't have this, I'm going to get better. It was 
weeks and weeks and months. But I feel, and let me know, is there any way to get somebody to that point of changing? Or do you have to get down to those to that depths of the darkness in order to come out? Like, it almost feels like there's, if I have a friend that I know is, you know, in a bad way, mentally or depression or addiction, like, can I really help them? Can I really bring them along? Can, I, can they really change? Because you and I had to go so dark and so deep, there was nowhere else to go but up. And I just would, what can I do if somebody's in that or someone's listening to stop them from getting down there? Because you and I both would never wish that on anybody to be in that mental state. So is there anything that we can do if we feel like somebody's hurting or, or what? Well, I, what I do is, is my, my main mission in life is to stop fathers and mothers uh, going down to the, the depths I went down to. Yes. I, I had a patient about three years ago. She celebrated three years yesterday. So, but. I had a patient three years ago that picked up. Her bottom was in a uh, $4,000 a night suite drinking $1,000 uh, bottles of champagne. That was her bottom, and that was good. That's one of the reasons why I do what I do today. But what I do, and I think you'll agree with this, if, you, if you're coming out of college with a two-year degree in a counseling course and you're trying to tell someone who wants to just blow the fucking head off and get it over with that, you know, here's the steps that you follow because this is, this is taught in the 1940s and I've done two years at college and shut up. Yes. Unless you've been there and you can turn around to the guy and say, here's where you're going. And I tell you why, because I fucking know myself. Yes. I was close to a meeting once and there's a guy there with a gun against his head in the car. And they called me up and I'd just come out. I just got married. I come out of the thing. I was going home to have a dinner and everything. And the guy, the guy called me up and said, Rob, John sat in the car. He's got the gun to his head. He'll only speak to you. Why? Because I've been there. Yes. That guy's also got about seven years sobriety now. But it's because we've been there, Josh. We can actually turn around to it. And you can see it in their eyes. This is one thing I've learned. Yeah. You know, when you're talking to someone with a passion like we have and the knowledge, fuck the degrees, the knowledge that we have of the despair, of yeah. the heartache, the loneliness, the abandonment, and the fear. When we get to that point and we look somebody in the eyes, we are empowered yes. to bring them back from the gates of death. And I've worked with about five and a half, maybe 6,000 people in the last 26 years. And I can tell you that from experience because I don't sugarcoat anything. If parents call me up and go, well, he's having this, well, he's going to fucking die. Whoa, hang on a second. No, no, no. Truth. Let's talk reality here. He has a, I don't like to call it a mental illness. I like to call it a mental injury because we can come back from it. So I said, he's got a mental injury. It, you know, is, 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 there's only one way out. Well, there's two ways out for him. He's going to kill himself or, or he'll do something that takes him to jail for the rest of his life. Either yeah. way, he's not going to take drugs again. So don't worry about it. Let's get down to the brass tags. You see, people like to sugarcoat this stuff. You know, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. Alcohol's legal. No, stop it. Right. Stop it. We did some research in the local hospital. They allowed us in to do some research. 97% of people walking through the emergency room doors on a Friday and Saturday night, 98% had drugs or alcohol inside the system. This is an epidemic that's killing our kids and adults on a daily basis, and nobody's doing anything about it. Do you know why they're doing nothing about it, Just Because there's no fucking money in people getting well. Yeah. There's no money. Nobody wants to research it. I yeah. can research now and find out stuff, and I take it to the government. And I go, hey, have you seen this? And they go, we're not interested. Because the, 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 the breweries around the corner, they just opened a treatment center to give back. You know? And it's like yeah. when Johnny goes into treatment for 12 times, paying 30 grand a month, who wants to stop that? 
right. nobody's interested. And I, we have a thing in, in this industry is I, I hate treatment centers and they hate me. And I'm good with that because I'm not in, in this for the money. I'm a self-made millionaire. I could walk right now, but I do it because I'm sick and tired of watching people die. Of, yeah. of lack of information. And, and that's what it is, lack of information. These guys just think if I could just stop taking drugs and just stop drinking, everything would be okay. It's not true. Yeah. Not the case, not true. as you know. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing in, in the United States. I looked it up. I forget the actual numbers, but I know the percentages. In the, in the United States, when it comes to drug addiction or overdose or anything in that realm, 93% of the budget is spent on enforcement. 7% is spent on, spent on healthcare. Doesn't make any fucking sense. No. It doesn't make any <clears throat> sense the way we, we think about it. And the thing is, is like like we talked about before, is that the drugs, the the, the depression, the the alcohol, it's a symptom of what's going on in between our freaking ears. And we gotta figure out a way yes. to get through that there. And here's the thing for individuals listening, and I'm sure you already know this, is that there's quite a few different people listening to us right now. There's people like like you and I that are, are very passionate, and then I feel I don't want to say that we're extremists, but I can feel the energy. I can feel like it's, it's kind of, we're kind of all or nothing type of people. Yeah. But then the, uh, the people that I get scared about are these people in the middle, these, these Bueller, Bueller, these mundane people that go, Josh, I don't have a problem. I only drink a little bit. Okay, fine. Josh, I don't have, Dr. Rob, I don't have a problem. I just get sad every once in a while. Well, it's this, this flat line of a fucking life and they just never have highs. They never have lows. It's just mundane and, and gobbledygook. And it's all, once again, it's, it's the way we think. It's how we deal with this stuff inside of our head. And I just, that's why I want so many people listening to this podcast is that you can have individuals like yourself, multi-millionaire, have everything. You can have individuals like, like me that's outgoing life of the party. I dance on tables and we can go all the way down to the depths of despair. And then yeah. I want everyone to know that it's, it doesn't make a difference who you are if you don't take care of this mental side of life. It does not make a difference. You may not be in a, in a flea bag motel or on the on the streets yeah. getting your shoes stolen, but you're sure shit not going to have a fulfilling, um, epic life that I think everybody can have if we figure out how to be kind to ourselves and figure out how to think a little bit better. And that and that's it. That's the key. Is anybody anybody can stop drinking and drinking and drugging? That's a given when you come to my company. In fact, I'm the only company in the world in the world that will give you your money back. If you relapse, because this is about living life, the fucking drugs, that's easy. Anybody can do that. What about living life? So when you get somebody like, God rest his soul, my wife's brother, mm. who they said was an alcoholic, but nobody really pushed it because it wasn't really that bad and it was okay. And they're at a gathering and everything seems okay. And they're making plans for tomorrow. And he goes off and blows his fucking head off and nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. Did nobody ask the question? Did nobody see the changes? Nobody wants to know. And this is the stuff we're looking at is how this, th these brain injuries, mental injuries, can catch us every single time if we're not careful. And there is a life beyond your wildest dreams waiting for you if you just understand what the brain is doing and how it's going through, and especially for the self-sabotaging brain. Yeah. Because if you think about it, Josh, think about this. Snorting cocaine with Elton John in the Savoy Hotel. Does life get any fucking better than that? No. <laughs> right? I might, I'd be there in a heartbeat if I could. Right. Yeah. But it has to for me. Yeah. Today has to be a billion times better than that in my head and my lifestyle. So therefore, what am I going to do? You see, what I teach is not the drugs and alcohol. That's the symptom. 
Let's talk about the illness. Let's talk about your life. Let's talk about buying that car you want, dating that girl, buying that house, getting that job. Let's see how far we can push you because you're such an absolutely amazing human being, but you don't know it. And one of the, one of the aha moments for me is just before I was homeless, and I'm stood outside a liquor store on off license, if you're listening in England, and it's, it's snowing. It's like two below zero. I have a pair of flip-flops on, a T-shirt, and a pair of shorts. And I'm sweating profusely. Mm. And I've got a banging headache, and I'm shaking uncontrollably because I know from my experience I'm going into DTs. DTs are delirium tremors when my body can fit at any time and kill me. So I'm waiting for this guy to open. The guy can't serve alcohol for another four hours, but he knows who I am. I go in, I put my 10 pound on the counter, he puts the bottle on the counter, I grab the handle of the bottle and my old body went, oh, sweating yeah. stopped, shaking stopped, headache went away. I looked at the bottle, Josh, and it, I looked and it was like, a, it was like the heavens opened up and I looked at the bottle that had not been opened yet and I thought to myself, fuck, it's not the alcohol, it's me. Yeah. Because without even opening up, everything changed. I was like in a good mood. I was going to say, a shopkeeper, oh, listen, thanks, mate, for opening up really. I appreciate it. I couldn't even speak 30 seconds ago. Yeah. And that's what led to my extensive research into especially alcoholism is what's really going on here. Yeah. So I always say that like, alcohol is a bit like my uh, – I had chicken pots once, and, and some guy said to me, I can say you got chicken pots. I'm like, how do you know? got the spots all over you. No, no, that's the symptom. I actually have a viral infection, and as an adult, it's very dangerous. It got me thinking it's the same with alcoholism. Alcohol is the symptom. The brain mapping is the disease. And yeah. not many people see that. So what can we do? And I know that it goes so much into it. We can't fix it all here on the, the episode. But what can we do? How can we change that mapping? What's something that we can do right now, starting today, one, two, three steps, something that we can do to start changing that mapping today. What can we do, Dr. Rob? Easy. You get up in the morning, you make your bed. Number one, bang, off. Compliment three people that day. Check, check, check three people off. And thank a lot. Everyone you come in, thank them for what they do. You know, thank you for looking after me. Thank you for being, because when we say thank you or compliment somebody, dopamine starts flowing in the brain. We like dopamine. People like me and you like dopamine. Yeah. And they're three things. The most important thing we have, well, two things we look at. We make practical decisions based on fear. That's what we do. There's no getting around that. You have to look at the fear. You have to look at what's the worst thing can happen today. You see, if you've got 24 hours to cram today in as if it was your last day and do things you wouldn't normally do, you'd be amazed how life takes off. So get up in the morning when you're making your bed, look in the mirror and say, I love you 10 times and tell yourself today, is going to be an amazing day. And I know you have a lot of listeners, so I'm going to say this out there. If you get up in the morning and say to yourself quite loudly and aggressively, today is going to be an amazing day, and you don't have an amazing day, call me. Call me. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll send you some money or whatever it may be, because it's impossible. Yeah. Because your brain, the, the, only, the only reason the prefrontal cortex exists is to come up with solutions like that. That's what it does. Well, what happens, and this is, this is why people kind of lost in the brain science of this, is the hypothalamus, which is at the back of the brain, is a fight or flight part of the brain, just nearly a prehistoric brain. What it does, it secretes into the actual uh, uh, middle brain um, how to survive. So drinking water, eating food. That's the primary instinct of that part of the brain for normal people. 
Yeah. And the alcoholic is to drink alcohol. So what happens is that's why I go days or weeks without eating food or drinking water because that's what my normal brain tells me. So we have to get up and we have to start mapping that brain on a daily basis. We have to start internal dialogue. Internal dialogue is the most important thing in the world. And you need outside help. Everybody needs added voice. Everybody needs to know. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Yeah. Make sure you're surrounded by these people that are lifting you up or are telling you're amazing. So I was thinking of some guy the other day and said, you know what, Rob, you're absolutely fantastic. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before? Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago when I was struggling. Ah, oh, yeah. you know, you know, people like you always know. It's like, no, no, we yeah. don't. We don't. Tell me. Tell me I'm good. And don't, don't be telling me to watch my ego. Yeah. My ego went when he took my fucking kids off me. You know, lift me up. If you're not going to lift me up, get out my life. Because yeah. this is life or death for people out there. And we have to start telling the brain what's what. We have to start telling the brain. So if, it, if the brain thinks like that, let's think about quantum physics for a second. Let's think about a basketball court, for instance. Quantum physics tells me that I can be, let's say, up to 25 places at the same single second at any one time. Yeah. 25 places on that ball at the same time. Where would I like to be? Let me think. Well, I want to build near the hoop, near the goal. So when I get the ball, I pop it in the hoop, and I'm the, the hero of the match. Can you see yourself there? Yeah, I can see myself over there. What do I do? I walk over and I take the fucking position. I don't audition for it. I don't ask for it. I walk over and take it. Because if you can visualize it in your mind, you can hold it in your hand. Period. And this is the key to the brain. Let's start start taking the brain to a different level. Oh, I'm never good enough. You know, guys, listen, I've got Mm -hmm. some, let me tell you something. If you don't think you're good enough, if you don't think that, you know, that you fit in, if you don't think you can achieve, I want to apologize to you guys because somebody's put that there. Yes. Because we're not normally like this. Someone's put that there as a child and you grabbed hold of it. Fucking prove them wrong. Yep. Come on, guys. This is the day today when you listen to this podcast that you go, my life is changing from today. Yeah. And I don't care if it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 2 o'clock in the morning. Start your day now if you're not happy with your life. If you're up on a Sunday night going, Oh my God, I've got work tomorrow and that gut thing. Change your job. Jesus, life's too fucking short to be messing around. Change your job. Oh, when I get home, my wife's got, change your wife. Uh, and you know, yeah. we have a saying, it says who. Well, this is the way life is, says who. Well, this is my life dealt out with. This is the way marriage is. This says, who's making these rules? Yep. Make your yeah. own rules. Me and my wife dance in the bathroom every morning. We throw stuff at each other. I'm surprised you don't throw stuff at me now when I'm doing the <laughs> podcast because we made the rules up for our own yeah. marriage and you can do the same for your brain, for your life, and for your future. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah. One thing that I want I to get your thoughts on, but one thing I want to let the listeners know is that because I'm, I'm only saying this because I thought this way. And so if I, thought that, if I thought this way before, I'm sure somebody listening is thinking this now. And what I mean is when you get up in the morning and you start telling yourself that you love yourself, that you're good looking, that you can do anything, what will happen is you will not believe it whatsoever. You're going to think it's dumb. You're going to think it's stupid. You're going to think this is a waste of time. So Dr. Rob, what do I do? How, how long do I have to go? When is that going to change? Because I've done it before, years years past, and it didn't fucking work because I ended up in that motel. I would do it for a week, and I go, Doctor Rob, this is dumb. I'm, I'm, doc, you don't understand. I am ugly. You don't understand. I can't buy that company. I can't be that CEO. You don't get it. I don't have any letters next to my name. This is stupid. Why am I saying this? 
So what do you tell people for that? Or what do you let them know? Because they're going to feel like they're a fraud. They're going to feel like it's not true. How long do they have to do it? How long do they have to keep going? What's How do they get through it to where they finally do believe it? See, the brain, you can lie to the brain. If I tell you a lie now, Josh, you might believe it, you might not. If I tell you often enough, you're probably going to believe it. But if I tell you real often enough, I'm going to start to believe it. So this is the repetition strength and it confirms. So you're doing it for a couple of days and thinking, okay, well, nothing's really happening. It's yep. happening. Your brain, slowly but surely, you know, even if you don't love yourself, lie to yourself, or tell yourself you do, and the brain wants to get older. that. We have to realize in today's world that the opportunities out there for us, once we realize how freaking amazing each individual is, is phenomenal. So you just said, I can't buy that big company. And all that. guys, do you realize that Amazon has no products? That Uber has no cars? That Airbnb has no houses? Come on, it's 2020. You can, yeah. We can do this, do this shit. But you have to start lying to your brain in the morning if you have the self-sabotage in your pathways. Yeah. And Johnny around the corner, who invented the multi-million dollar widget or whatever it is, that's fine for him. He can do it. But with people like us, we need to stay on that strict guidelines every day. And if we don't do the things every single day, the making the bed, the do the mirror work, the saying your prayers, the meditation in the morning to set ourselves up for the day, yeah. if we don't do it every single morning, it will change. And it only needs a little tiny change. You see, what happens is, it's a bit like me tomorrow going, hey, Josh, when you get up tomorrow, I want you to brush your toes, not your teeth. You go, okay, I'll try it. And then for the first couple of days, it's like, Dr. Rob is a bit of a clown. You know, he's funny. It'd be yeah. funny. Yeah. After a week, he'll <laughs> start pissing you off. It's like, oh, this is not funny anymore. But right. you know something, Josh? One morning, you're going to get off and you're going to be old. You're going to be overtired. You're going to have a bad night's sleep. You're going to stumble into the bathroom and you're automatically going to brush your teeth. Yeah. That's our brain. That's the self-sabotaging brain. We have to brush our toes every single morning. And we have to have signs when you go in saying, brush your toes, Rob. Your mirror work, do this, do this, do this, to set yourselves up for the day. Then when you go back home at nighttime to sleep, look at the day. Where could I have done better? Who could I have thanked or complimented? Where could I have done a good turn? Because every human being in the world works on mirroring. If I walk into a room with 10 people with a frown on my face, 10 people are going to frown back. If I walk in with a smile on the face, 10 people are going to smile back. So you go out there and try and motivate people and try and lead people, and your life will change. Believe me, it will change for the better. I can change somebody's life in three minutes. Three minutes. In fact, anybody listening out there, before I go, I'm going to give my personal phone number. If you're struggling on a three to five minute pet talk, I'm going to cost you anything, call me. I'll change your life in three minutes if you want to change. And, and of course, me and you know, Josh, that that's the pivotal question. Are you happy with your life? Well, it's okay. You're not my people I'm talking to. Yep. Talking to the guys that are sick and tired of the same routine. I'm talking to the guys going to bed Sunday night with that gut feed, going to that nine to five job, flipping burgers that they hate. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but if you want to aspire to something else, it's possible. Think about the quantum physics thing. Just walk over and take the position. I, I get excited about this. I'm sorry, Joe. You do. No. Yeah, you're uh, the type of, like what you said before we started recording here, you're the type of people I want to be around. You're the type of people I love talking to, the type of people I want on this podcast. Um, I know I only have you for a little bit longer. I just have a couple other questions for you. But before we do that, let everybody know what you got going on? Where can everybody find you? 
you know, you got some amazing treatment centers, you got uh, books, you got basically everything. So let everybody know what you got going on. Yeah, well, we're, we're primary these days at Telehealth Group. We've been doing telehealth for eight years. Uh, so we work, we work globally with people and we're an aftercare program primary again. So if you've come out of treatment and you want to carry on, improve your life and be amazing, we're the guys. If you just don't want to go in treatment, because we believe that, you know, there's some great treatment centers out there, but a lot of them don't work at a 3 to 4% success rate. We have a 97% success rate, and I'll tell you why we do. We only take on four patients at any one time, and it's a 90-day program. So you've got us 24 hours a day, and we'll go to any lens to make sure you get well. We have four offices around the world. We have San Antonio, we have Dallas, we have Manchester, we have Mallorca, and we have Zurich is where our actual offices are. I always spell my name with two Bs, R-O-B-B-K-E-L-L-Y. So Google me or robkelly.com um, or Dr. Rob Kelly on Facebook. If you want to read and you're bored and you want to find out or get motivated and see what the disease is all about, go to Amazon. Amazon's the only people that are selling my book. It's called Daddy, Daddy, Please Stop Drinking. It's the last thing my daughter said to me when they took her off me 27 years ago. Now, I've got some good news on that. 18 months ago, after 25 years, she got in touch with me on Facebook. And I've been over to England four times since. I've held my granddaughter, who's two years old. We oh. have a fantastic relationship today. And it's built up and it's amazing. And I just paid for her to finish college. And she is today a addiction counselor. Oh. I know, right? Real. I know. It's I'm just so oh. proud and it's phenomenal. And, you yeah. know, but I, I, I knew that something like that would happen because... I, just I work too hard with people. You know, when someone comes into my care, um, I, it, it, you're not going until you're done. You right. know, I mean, if we do the 90 days and you're still not right, you're not paying for any more. It's on my time. You know, I will make sure. If you relapse, I'll give you a refund. I'll also bring you back in and find out where we went wrong. There's a strict program to follow. Don't get me wrong, but that's just the way I am. So look us up, Google us, um, go to the website, call me, 214 0210 is my personal cell phone number and you're the only guys that we're going to give it to josh because of the following and the kind of guy you are because i did my research on you and i want to thank you you know for being who you are because you are freaking amazing just what i see in front of me man and, and i can't do this unless it's the truth i can't bullshit anybody i yeah. can't fucking blow your head off if it, don't, if it turns out not to be true so you've got to be very careful is a fucking very good-looking, very intelligent, very fucking knowledgeable guy and motivator, inspiration guy. Now, let me tell you how powerful words are. So I'm in the practice uh, a couple of years ago. I'm up at a PA Watson, and John, John L., who just left the office, she said, John L.'s father's just died. I thought, oh, what? you got to call him. So I called him and I explained the situation and he said, I pulled over, I'm shaking, I'm crying. And I said, I'm sorry, but your dad's been caught in an accident. I'm sorry to tell you this, John, I'm really sorry. And he, he wet himself and he, was, he just couldn't drive anymore. His body was out of control. 20 minutes later, my, my PA burst through the door and she says, oh my God, Dr. Rob, it's not John L, it's John B, whose father's died in a car accident. Call John L back, I'll call John B. So I called John L back and I said, look, I'm sorry, there's been a huge mistake. And, and we made it right with him. But when I put the phone down, I realized that his body changed. He's, he couldn't control it. He was sweating. He was sick. He was vomiting from a few words that I had said over a telephone. So if it has that much of an effect on somebody, 
how much effect would it add when we started giving good stuff out to people? Yeah. And started telling people how amazing they are and started telling people that, you know, when you say impossible, Johnny, you forgot the apostrophe. It's actually, I'm possible. Now let's get this shit done because I know you can do it. And that's what I say to my patients. I believe in you. When you come to my, when you come to my telehealth program, you pay for an hour. I put two or three hours in on my time because that's how much I believe in you. Mm. You have to pass an assessment, but that's how much I believe in people. And, and, and we, we just love work. We have a saying that I made up is that we love what we do because we do what we love. And we always will. Love it. I love it. Well, brother, I just have, like I said, I just have two last questions for you. And it's really just to, get, to give you some time to give some advice to the listeners. So the first question is, we talked about a lot, a lot of things through this episode. And, and what other advice would you have talking to that middle America? Not the super high, not the low. The nine to five, I know some people quarantine the nine to five, they come home, they have a couple drinks, they sit on the couch and they watch five hours of Netflix, they go, go to bed, they wake up, they work out once a week, just this mundane life, just monotone, never high, never low. What advice or what would you tell them uh, right now to kind of increase their level of, of life? Everybody, and I mean everybody has a potential to be a leader. Guys, people are watching you come home, watching you drink that wine, watching you doing the Netflix for five hours. Somebody's following what you do. How about changing lives? How about doing something different and inspiring somebody? Step out of your comfort zone. Stop making practical decisions based on fear. Let's see what happens if you don't do that. There's an amazing life happening for you. Even if you don't want it, stop being selfish. People, you are somebody's mentor. You are somebody's hero at work, at wherever you may go. Somebody, you can change people's lives. There's no better feeling than that. Yes, I love it. And then just last question, and for you personally, how do you build your self-worth? I, I, well, a couple, of, a couple of things. One, I get up in the morning and uh, I, I make sure I do all my stuff. So people telling me, especially my wife, is always around me telling me how amazing I am because I too suffer like you. I can easily go downhill really quickly if I'm not careful. So I have to have these people and I have to stay strong and I have to realize who I am. Like I'm speaking on Saturday night somewhere. And the first thing my wife told me is, hey, you've got a gig Saturday night. And my stomach goes crazy and starts going, oh, my God. Then she follows it by, you're amazing. You've got to kill it. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course. And the other thing she said to me, and guys, if you have a husband, uh, I don't know about a wife. I can, only, I can only speak, you know, what my wife says to me. But if you have a husband who you want to reassure, this is what she says to me. You are Dr. fucking Rob Kelly. And all of a sudden I go, hey, yeah, I am that person. Yeah. You know, so that's how I get motivated. And people around me, they don't take any bullshit, but they, they, they tell me the truth. Yeah. The thing is, I'm good at what I do. I know that today I'm good at what I do. You know, if, if you're out there wondering what, what you're good at doing, find it. Find your niche in life. And then the sky's the limit. I always say today when I get up, I do my stuff. I step out, I shave and I shower every single day, every day. I've just done my haircut because I'm doing a TV thing in, uh, next week, but it's usually blonde. I dye it blonde on purpose. It should be gray. I wear stupid color scrubs, crazy color stupid. I drive a McLaren Mercedes. I live in a crazy house. I live life out loud. And I say that because every single person can do that. And the more you live that life and believe that life, the more confidence you'll have in the morning. 
but be careful about internal dialogue. Yes. Because it kills, you know, it really kills. So make sure you do your mirror work. That's what I do every morning. And it sets me up for the day. And I don't worry what I have tomorrow. Like last night, okay, you've got Josh. Oh, who's Josh? There's your research. That's who he is. Look him up. He's an amazing guy. Now, I have people around me that, that kind of look after me and stuff like that. So it's easier today than it was years ago, but it's still possible, you know, to have this amazing life. So I, I am very confident who I am today. That's awesome. Well, brother, thank you very much, like I said, uh, for coming on. And you know what the thing that I've come to realize with talking to individuals that sit across from me like you do is that it's, I know you look at, at it as a badge of honor, but you had those extreme gnarly depths of despair and you had that horrific time in your life. But I feel like this last 18 months, you've been able to have the universe give this back to you because of all the people you helped. And so the universe said, you know what, Dr. Rob, you really fucked up in your previous life. You really messed up, but you were doing so much good and you were helping so many lives and you're being such a positive influence. I'm going to give you the gift of slowly starting to get your family back because I guarantee you that that feeling of holding the two-year-old child has been a lot better feeling than even helping some of the individuals that you have. And that feels pretty good. So you should feel very, very proud of yourself. And I'm very honored to have you on the Overcoming You podcast. Like I said before, I love people like you out there making a difference, but making a difference through their experience and not giving a line of bullshit and being raw, being, being direct to the point. So I just love what you're doing. I love everything that you got going on. But more importantly, I love the person that you are inside. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much indeed. It always is a, I knew I knew this I knew this hour was going to be good because of the type of person you was, but you know when I held the grandchild, it was um, you were right. It's the universe, you know. It 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 gives back once you start giving out. That's the key to life. Yeah. And and the feeling was just well, it was it was it was tears of joy, tears of fear, tears of everything. But it's right if you do the right thing, and that's helping others and inspiring people. Everything will come back to you. Everything and then tenfold. So thank you so much for having me on. You're just an amazing guy. Awesome. All right, everybody. Remember, be kind to yourself.